Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara with Canicle Speaks Podcast, and I want to thank you uh, once again for listening to the Canicle Speaks Podcast. And on this evening, I am so excited to have this young man on on this on tonight, this evening, because we're recording in the evening time. And he is uh, actually he is our city councilman for Precinct Three, and his name is Mr. Chris Woolsey. Hello, Mr. Woolsey. Hey Barbara, I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being for accepting the invitation to be on the Canada Go Speak podcast. So tell the listening audience about who Mr. Chris Woolsey is. Sure thing. Um, so, like you said, I am the city councilman for Precinct Three here in Corsicana. And uh, so outside of, of that role, uh, I am the warehouse manager at Collins Street Bakery. Um, I'm a, a member of First Baptist Church, um, and I have been ever since uh, I came here. Um, before, I, uh, before I came to the Collins Street Bakery, I was actually a high school teacher and a football coach. Um, and so I, I did that for a little while um, after I graduated from Texas A&M uh, before I ended up here in Corsicana. And... I have loved every second of it. Uh, I moved my parents here a couple years back, and so um, I'm loving town, and I'm loving uh, loving being involved and loving what I'm doing. So when you, so actually, when you, uh, you know, when you came here, you know, you, you, I did notice that you came and you hit you hit the ground running. I mean, you became involved in the community as a young person, and that's what uh, kind of like drew me to. You know, like, hey, who is this young man that has come into our, to come into the community of course, Canada and just started, you know, making his presence known, known about you know, just getting involved. And so, um, you you are up for a re-election, and so I kind of wanted to bring you on just to kind of talk about your position as a city council person because you represent the precinct precinct three, and how has it this you know how has it been, you know, serving as a council person. Did you, was it a learning curve when you first got on? I mean, how, I mean, how, how was it? Or how is it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I have always felt a call to be involved uh, in whatever, whatever it is I'm doing, wherever it is I'm living. Um, I feel like there's uh, there's there's two kinds of folks. Um, there's the ones who want to sit back and complain, and there's the ones who want to be part of the solution. And so, I felt like being part of the solution. Uh, was the best way to to see the town be something that uh, something that I could raise kids in, something that my parents could retire comfortably in, and so um, yeah, there was a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of technical aspects of being on city council, but for the most part, um, it was pretty simple because what my job is is to listen to folks in my precinct and do what they ask me to do. And so the very first thing I did, as soon as I found out that I was going to be running unopposed, is I started knocking on doors. <laughs> and so I went and and knocked on, oh, probably three or four hundred doors, um, even though I wasn't running for, for election, uh, just to see what folks wanted me to do. And so in that time is kind of when I learned the main issues that people wanted me to focus on. And those main issues were cutting property taxes, putting more money into police and fire, and fixing the streets. And so from day one, 
that's what I worked on because that's what people told me to work on. And so a lot of the, a lot of the ins and outs of this job, um, we can, we kind of learn that as we go, but yeah. knowing a direction and knowing the people that you work for, um, <laughs> is the main thing that you have to know in this job. And so I wanted to make sure that I was doing exactly what the, the people of precinct three wanted me to do. Okay. So, you know, we are, you know, in, in the second year of, you know, going through the pandemic, we've had the, you know, the ice storm, you know, the ice storm. So where, what do you see, or where do you see um, the direction of where Corsican is going? Because we've had our share of struggles, you know, financially and all that. So what is the future of Corsican? Because, um, you know, I, I, I see up the road, I see Ennis, I, you know, of course, you know, I see Wapahatchee. And I'm like, okay, so when is, when is Corsicana's turn to have the big boom? What are you, right. what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Right. And so uh, my thought on that is we have seen the growth in Ennis and Waxahachie. A big part of that is simply their proximity to DFW. Um, they're doing a lot of the same things that we are. They're doing some things better. Um, we're doing some things better. But for the most part, it's that proximity and it's just companies and folks who are in Dallas who want to move a little bit further out, want to get somewhere that's a little bit lower property tax than in Dallas, and so they go to Waxahachie. And then the ones who are there, eh, they want to crawl down to Ennis. And so that economic development is coming. Uh, we have a great economic development director. Um, John Boswell is fantastic at his job. And <clears throat> we have... We have good companies who are coming to Corsicana. Uh, the one that, that I'm sure you've heard a lot about recently is Autobahn, and they are, are building out on, uh, on Highway 31. And they are going to be a great employer for this town. And so seeing companies like that who are moving to Corsicana really tells us that the future is bright for Corsicana. Um, when we see companies like, uh, like Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, you know, they're not really primary employers, but the fact that companies like them are opening up in Corsicana uh, should tell you that, that they see growth heading this way. And so when those other companies see growth heading in a direction, <clears throat> we can pretty well know that it's going to be here before we know it. And so a lot of it just kind of takes time. Uh, it takes time as the Metroplex grows. Uh, it, will, it will grow south. It will grow north. And so I think Corsicana is going to experience growth and we have to know it's coming and we have to be ready for it. And so oh, we are seeing so, some of that growth. Sorry, what? No, no, I was going to say, so when we talk about being ready, you know, you know, the big thing now is housing. So that is a big thing is because, you know, we do have, you know, families that are moving here and I'm hearing that they're not, housing is a big, as a big deal, you know, finding land to build houses. So how, so how are we going to solve that issue? Right. And the way that, that I see it is you have this, this continuous wheel of schools, businesses, and housing. And each of those needs the other two in order for it to grow. And so we have to, we have to break into that wheel somewhere. Um, and I think the housing is something that, that we're seeing expansion in right now. Um, I know it's a, a small thing, but we had those new apartments go up next to Walmart. Uh, we have housing that's being built on the Dobbins extension. 
Uh, we have a few new houses going up, um, kind of on the north side of town. But Navarro County is seeing a lot of folks move in from the DFW area, um, from out of state. Uh, the area around the lake is really growing up. And so Navarro County is, is slowly becoming a, a pretty hot place to live. And so as those numbers grow, the city has to make sure that our, that our infrastructure is ready for those kinds of numbers. And I'll give you the, the number one example that comes to mind is we're going to have to expand our water treatment. And we have a, a big water treatment uh, project that's going to be coming up at some point in the future. And that's going to be a big expense that if we're going to hit those growth numbers like we're seeing coming down the pipe, we're going to have to really invest in our infrastructure. So, you know, during the ice storm, you know, the, uh, did you, did you, did you see that we had a lot of problems that, like you said, we need to, you know, that y'all need to go to the table and say, hey, this can't happen again. So is there anything that you saw as a city council person that we need to get, like, you need to be on the top of the list? Yes. And the number one thing was emergency backup power, uh, going to some of our, our, uh, our water facilities, and that was something that we already had identified before the ice storm, and it really reinforced that we needed it. <clears throat> and so that that was the number one thing. Um, other than that, uh, doing some winterizing on, like, water towers is something that would be helpful. Um, I know that I know that there was a lot of stuff uh, that that we we could have been better prepared for. But I think everybody could have been better prepared for it. You know, I wish that we would have had, yeah, I wish we would have had, you know, more, more dirt and more salt uh, yeah. just to, to get the roads taken care of. But, you know, who could have, who could have guessed that it would have been as widespread as it was? Yeah, um, so there's, there's some things like that that I see down the road. Maybe we need to, we need to look at, you know, our, our winterized uh, stockpiles and make sure that we have, a little bit more salt and a little bit more dirt. And, you know, maybe we have a, a machine, you know, ready or available where we could, uh, where we could scrape, you know, more snow and ice off of more roads uh, than we were able to do this time. So let's segue over into um, talking about our police and our fire. Um, I know that, um, you know, that the police has, you know, it's a, you know has endorsed you and the, the, the question I want to ask you as far as um, regarding the police department, how do you bring diversity into the police department? Because, you know, we have no, we have no African-American police officers. So do you think, do you, do you find that to be an issue? Because, you know, especially with everything that's going on in our nation, how do we bring diversity, more, you know, police officers of color to our community? Right. And the number one thing that I want to do for, both police and fire. Even the fire department. Even the fire department. Right, right. Is uh, and, and I'll just use first responders just for to refer to both of them. Um, I want to target Navarro County hiring more than we currently are. <clears throat> I know one of the things I would really like to see is the ability to pay for fire training, for example, uh, for folks who live in Navarro County who they might be in some other other job, other walk of life right now, but they want to, they want to advance and, you know, they can't pay for 
going to fire school on their own. Well, if they live in the Vera County and we have openings in the fire department, then we should target them and get get folks who are homegrown to fill up those ranks. And I think that would I think that would accurately reflect the demographics of, of our community if we targeted hiring from within a little bit more than we are right now. Because, um, you know, the, the best way, you know, I, I really believe in community policing. And the best way to, you know, have a relationship, you know, with your community is to know your community and to be a part of your community. And so how do you, so, so would you say growing your own, you know, because, um, you know, our young people, I mean, how do we encourage them to take on, you know, those, those type of jobs? Because, you know, uh, Chris, we do have an aging workforce. You know, we do have a lot of tenured, you know, tenured employees you know, that work for the city. And so how are we, what are we doing to help encourage, you know, our younger community members to apply for the positions like a police officer or a firefighter? You know, how do we, how do you encourage them to do that? Yeah, and I know that uh, I, I will give uh, I will give lots of credit to our police and fire right now. They are they're doing their absolute best with the tools that that we give them to recruit and fill up their ranks. And going going down down the line in the future, something I would love to see is some kind of pipeline program from Corsicana High School that allows Navarro College to offer these police or fire, uh, you know, training, uh, training programs so that they could graduate from some program from Navarro College with all of the skills that they need so that they could then go and work for Corsicana Fire, Corsicana Police right after graduating from a, a program at Navarro College. And we have, we have the new fire station that's being built uh, near the old state home. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that in the future, we can get some sort of fire training program out there in partnership with Navarro College, so we can have more of a homegrown program and mm-hmm. and really give give kids at Corsicana High School a kind of a pipeline where they see, hey, I can have a great career here in town, and if I start this program, you know, my junior or senior year at Corsicana High School, I'll do you know this program through Navarro College, and then I'll be able to go get a job right here in town. And I don't have to go off to a to a four year degree if I don't want to. I can have a very clear, straight path to a great career here in town. Okay, so so Chris, I'm also hearing that um, the fire department or the, the city is taking out bids to contract out the EM, the, the EMT side of the fire department. Is that going to save the taxpayers money? You know, save the city money? How is that going to How is that going to play out? So we will have a meeting about that on Monday, and so that's when we'll have we'll have the broader discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that I know right now is our our EMS fund is is in a deficit, and yeah. so yeah. there there have been, and I'm sure you've probably heard there's been lots of discussions between the city and the county over offering EMS service over the past few years, and um, you know the 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 county. EMS service that the city provides, um, you know, that has been a, a major topic of discussion um, based on how much the county pays, do they like the service. I know that, that they're impressed with the quality of service, um, but, you know, every year we have a discussion about how much they pay. And so, um, you know, we, we kind of have to take all these bids 
and put them on the table and look at them and compare them to what we're doing right now and ask ourselves if we are if we are doing the best thing uh, for the citizens of course Canada. Uh, do do we like the level of service we have? Absolutely, I do. Um, are we are we getting what what we should be out of it? I think we are. Are there cheaper options out there? Um, you know, if there's cheaper options, that comes with a different level of service. And so we have to look not only at the, the bottom line, but we also have to look at the, the people that, that we currently have in those departments. Um, because it's very easy to make a, a bottom line decision that hurts a lot of folks. And so we as a council will have to talk about that and, and come up to a, you know, come up with a resolution on what we can afford to pay for, what level of service we expect, uh, you know, what, what we require out of our fire department. Uh, does our fire department, you know, want to run EMS? I think there's some who do. I think there's some who don't, uh, does the, does the city and county continue doing what we've been doing? Um, you know, there might be different opinions on that. So I think, I think it would be premature for me to make any kind of commitment on that before we have the open meeting. Um, just cause I, I don't, I don't think it would be fair to the other people in that meeting for me to assert a position, uh, before we have the discussion as a whole. So do you, so do you provide, I guess, transparency for your precinct? Like, you know, how do you, how do you let your, your constituents know, Hey, you know, these things are up for discussion, you know, no, because, you know, now, now that's what a lot of, you know, um, citizens, they like, they want to know, you know, we have social media now, you know, you see other local, other governments and they, they do, um, you know, uh, online city council meetings. And so do you feel like the city itself is being transparent, you know, to let the, you know, the community, their constituents know, hey, this is, this, is go- this is what's going on, you know. I mean, do you think, it, I mean, are they providing that? Yeah, I think that, that we are being transparent. I think that, that the transparency and the communication is something that evolves quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a, a Facebook page that I just operate as a city council member, and I do my best to put things on there. Um, but a lot of times it just doesn't get very good reach. Um, you know, there's social media algorithms that if you put a picture, it gets better than text, whatever. And so I do my best to, to try and put things up there. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's just hard to reach people. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've live streamed our meetings. Um, they're open to the public now. And so, you know, I'll, I'll say that we, all of us on council, we do our absolute best to make sure that we get as much information out as possible. And sometimes it's just difficult to meet people where they are just because there's so many different ways that people absorb information. And so, you know, I do my best through social media. Um, but I'll, I'll also tell you this is that the generation that is younger than I am for the most part is leaving Facebook. And so, you know, it's, they're doing Snapchat, TikTok, you know, and all that. So, and then you have your, you have your, you know, your older, your older community members. They feel like, 
paper, you know, when stuff in the mail, you know, so you kind of like have to meet in the middle on how to reach the different, you know, generations. Because we have, in, right. in our community, we just have diff- several, you know, different generations in the community to make up the community. So, so right. they, and and yeah. I've tried to do that, like my, yeah. was not, not this past January, but January before, um, you know, I wrote up a letter and sent it out to, to everybody that I could, just trying to give a, a little update on it, um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you, you know, this example, if, if you're a congressman or a state rep, you know, you get certain mail budgets, you get franking privileges, where you, you have the ability to send official mail out from your office. And city council, like, we don't, we don't have that kind of budget. Um, yeah. So, so anything that's mailed out, I had to do that all, you know, on my own dime. Um, you know, if we, if we send something out, you know, through the, through the water bill, for example, um, you know, that increases that, that water bill cost. And that's another, you know, another increase to something in the budget. And so we try to be, we have to find that happy balance between how much money do we dedicate to communication and how much do the taxpayers want us spending on communication? Well, don't you think it's important to have somebody that's in the communication department to be a part of the city? Because, you know, I did notice during the ice storm that you had, depending on who it was, putting out information, and then sometimes the information might be right, and then you'd have to rely on, you know, certain ones, and it seems like we didn't have, we didn't have that one person or that one source to get all the right information, you know, it just seems that it, in, in this day and time that you need somebody, a, a communi- a, somebody in communications to be able to filter the information out. Right, and, and I'll, I'll use the ice storm as an example. Um, I know on the council's part, everybody on the council was doing their absolute best to get information out. And I remember stuff changing like by the minute. Yeah. And so we would get an update on something and I'd, you know, go throw it on, on my Facebook page to get it out to as many people as I could. And then five minutes later, I'd get a text that, you know, there was a new update. And it's like, oh, what I just put out there, you know, is the best communication I could is already old information. Yeah, so if you had that one person, you know, if you had that one person, or that one team of communi- in the communication department, I think that would, you know, that's just my opinion. It would help, you know, source that the right information out there. Right, and and I agree with you. I think that's I think that's a good idea. So why would they budget? Why would they budget for that position? Why would they just go ahead and say, hey, this is 2021 to 2022? We're going to budget for a communications director because it just it just seems to me our city, the community, has evolved into we need that piece. That's the that's the missing piece. Right. Uh, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's something we should talk about this budget session. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest; it, it's not something that I have brought up before, um, and I think it would be very useful, especially after what we saw in February with that ice storm. Is having one line of communication, I, I, I think it'd be a great thing for us to have. And that, and that person would be, too, Chris, to, to help brand the, the city. You know, a, a person, because, you know, that's the biggest thing. You know, you're, you know, you you work for the bakery, and you know branding is a big thing, you know, now, and, yes. you know, in the way our society is. Branding is important. You know, putting your, putting your brand on something and branding your, your product, that's the big thing now, you know. And so um, that... That's maybe something the city can look at is, you know, bringing somebody that can help 
than the city because, like you said, we'll be the next, Quartz County will be, LaBelle County will be the next boom, you know, because, you know, everything is landlocked up north. So the, the families, the younger people, they're going to start coming this way. So what more, what more opportunity to start branding your city saying, hey, this is what we have. This is what we have to right. offer. You know, now we have the Collin Club here now. People are going to start wanting to, you know, it's just going to make it make it better for um, those that are, you know, wanting to come here, live here, be entertained, you know, spend the money here. So um, that's just, you know, I'm just, I'm just offering my little two cents. But anyway, um, I, I really have enjoyed our conversation. I um, really appreciate you taking the time to um, be on the podcast. Um, I know um, this Saturday is the actual election, so if you want to put your plug in for. Um, those that are listening about the election on Saturday, I would. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm running for re-election, and uh, I would love to have your vote if you live in Precinct Three. Uh, for those of you who who might not know the precinct lines, that's okay. Sometimes I can't remember them, uh, but it is roughly the area between 24th Street and 45th Street, and then from Elmwood Avenue on the north side of town uh, to Oak Valley Road on the south side of town. That's that's the very rough boundaries. And so if you and look at that area... It's so different how they did those 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 lines. You know, because when you, when you visually see it, it's like, how did they come up with that? You know, how did they come yeah. up with those precinct lines? <laughs> yeah, and, and really my precinct is the one that makes the most sense. If you look at precinct, uh, honestly, any of the other three, they're kind of crazy. Mine yeah. is, is almost a block. And then yeah. the other three are, are all over the place. Yes, they are. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> but, yeah, that would that would be my only plug. Is I'll, I ask for your vote if you haven't voted already. Um, and so that will be going on 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday, May 1st. You can vote at any polling location in the county. And all you have to do is have your uh, picture ID, correct? Correct. you got to have picture ID or you can have your... Uh, your voter registration card. I think that one also works as well. Okay. Well, Chris Wilson, thank you again so much for being on the Canada Big Podcast. And go ahead and give a shout-out to anybody you'd like to give a shout-out to. Barbara, I would give my shout-out to uh, to my, my family at First Baptist Church. Uh, when I moved here after, after I left teaching, uh, they embraced me. They welcomed me. Uh, they gave me a place. Uh, they were friends and family. When, when I didn't have either one of those here in town. And so I am very appreciative for for how welcoming uh, and open that First Baptist was for me uh, years ago when I moved here. Um, and so they would they would be my shout-out and my thank you. All right. Well, thank you again, Chris Wilson, for being on Canada Speaks Podcast. And on our business of the week, our business of the week is S&D One Stop Shop, and they are located at 116 West Mall Drive, and the owners are Sydney and Daphne Young, and their phone number is Erico 430-775-5110. And then you can go and shop there and all that good stuff. And like I said, thank you again, Chris Wilby, for being on the Canada Girl Speaks Podcast. And to my listening audience, thank you again so much for supporting the Canada Girl Speaks Podcast. Everybody have a great week, and please do not forget to vote. Local elections are just as important as the national elections, so please go and vote. And everybody have a very good evening. Thank you so much.